So I'm honored to be speaking to Natalia Kuchikova today. Natalia's work spans from academia to industry. She is professor of early childhood development at University of Stavanger, professor of reading and children's development at the Open University, and visiting professor at UCL. She is also the co-founder and CEO of Wicked, about she will tell us today. She has been awarded numerous fellowships and awards in education, innovation, and research. Her current work on evidence is of great interest to the edtech field and indeed the motivation for my invite to speak here today. Thank you for joining us, Natalia. Oh, thank you so much for having me. So you've published several articles uh, about impact evaluations and evidence in edtech. Uh, the latest of which, the summary of uh, EdTech impact evaluation frameworks and your ever evidence evaluation routine. Um, I would like to ask you, like, um, what are, to, to kind of get the ball rolling and, and start, start our chat today, what are the recommendations uh, and takeaways for EdTech founders and startups in terms of evidence? Uh, what is a way to kind of approach uh, evidence uh, for someone who's uh, starting to develop their edtech solution? Thanks, that's a good question. Um, I would say start early. Um, you know, it's very important that as we build and develop and test uh, new technologies, new solutions, that evidence is an integral part of it. So it's not something to be added later on, but uh, really trying to see what research has been published on this topic, what different studies can I find as a startup founder in the area of my interest, and see if my idea as a startup founder resonates or is related to that specific study. And, you know, making sure that evidence doesn't come as a sort of um, ad hoc um, idea that, oh, we actually do need to back this up by some research, but rather that it starts from the research. Okay, very interesting distinctions here. And probably it's the right moment to delve into like existing standards of evidence, what exists, like uh, a kind of uh, a view, probably the listener, like our listeners do have some level of idea. Uh, but again, uh, why have you developed uh, ever and what what were you finding like is what do you think are the frameworks that are useful for uh, a certain um, goal but perhaps are not satisfying other goals can you give us a, kind of a an overview of the whole scene okay well uh, let's start with the different standards of evidence then so um, different countries use different frameworks um, when you look at uh, the sort of Anglo-American countries or English-speaking countries, the Global North countries, we see that um, the frameworks um, are being adapted from um, education to education technology. So they are not frameworks that have been specifically developed for edtech, but they are being adopted from other educational resources. And those kinds of evidence standards are looking at the outcomes that we would like to see also with EdTech in terms of, um, you know, what's the learning effect over time? Are children actually um, acquiring more new words when they are using a language platform or are they um, more motivated to learn? So you'll be looking at standard outcomes uh, within education and adopting them to EdTech. 
And those kinds of standards um, exist in US under the ESA standards framework, in Australia under AERO, you've got the NESTA standards of evidence in England that have been looking actually more specifically at the level of innovation connected to edtech mm -hmm. standards. Um, but then you also have these international bodies like uh, UNESCO, uh, World Bank, where they are um, essentially looking at what are uh, smart buys or cost-effective edtech uh, solutions out there. Um, and they again have their own criteria that are synergistic with um, the other criteria out there in terms of looking at the learning impact over time. Um, so even though different countries or different educational um, frameworks have their own criteria, there are some common features across them. Um, now, that said, we don't have one global benchmark for edtech. Um, we do have some global reports like the GM report by UNESCO, where they've been looking at the overall impact of technologies over time. And as you know, the uh, report has been widely covered in uh, various uh, media outlets in terms of the, the lack of evidence when it comes to technology's um, impact on learners and the importance of um, teachers and uh, learners being really centered in technology. So the slogan, uh, learning on our terms, uh, sorry, tech on our terms. Mm. So um, you mentioned uh, uh, ESA, NESTA, uh, IRO standards. Um, now these standards uh, all um, look into the, like in, into measuring impact, right? And as you may, were uh, mentioning earlier, though, uh, in the like broad term of evidence, um, some people have used, or some some ed tech companies, perhaps some founders, uh, have used the term evidence, uh, saying, uh, "Okay, we're backed in the learning sciences. We have a pedagogical uh, kind of." Uh, um, uh, theory behind our developing our solution um, mm -hmm. but they have not run randomized control trials they have not run pre-post tests so with uh, with evidence they're actually talking about well there's a theory behind the 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 solution we have developed uh, instead mm -hmm. in the frameworks you mentioned the uh, all of these frameworks do have measurement uh, attached to kind of the tiers of of evidence level that uh, they mm. they kind of publish right in slightly different ways maybe we can we can touch uh, upon the tiers and like the level of evidence uh, so are we to say that probably just having a, a backing in theory is not what we mean as evidence uh, in uh, in edtech Right. Um, well, I would say that it's about different level of evidence. So uh, if you think about ESA standards, then having a learning theory or a theory of change that um, illustrates how your specific solution matches with different research studies and having a research plan, those kinds of things are the sort of lower tier of evidence. So it is still evidence, but it's at a different level of rigor or significance. Um, so I think as long as we talk about evidence as an independent research-based demonstration of impact, then 
we can have a shared understanding of these different levels. Um, I have seen more confusion around evidence and um, even the word research when it comes to different testimonials and different sort of views and attitudes from users. So very often founders come to us and say, look, but we have evidence that teachers love our product. Um, and that to them is sufficient to satisfy, say, their investors or uh, the procurement teams. And indeed, it has been the case in EdTech that as long as it was um, perceived as useful and enjoyable and motivational, um, that was um, kind of, as I say, sufficient for the people who make investments in EdTech. Yeah. Um, but as we have seen all of us during the pandemic and um, as these many reports and studies are showing, it is not enough to be engaged or to enjoy the use of a certain platform. We do need to have evidence or proof that it actually improves learning because we are talking about educational technologies rather than any kind of technology. So um, I think it's more that distinction that is important to me, that uh, with evidence, we do mean some proper re research. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so, okay. So you were saying like backing in theory is a first tier of evidence, a first level of evidence. Maybe in it's some of the frameworks. Yeah. In or, or in many of the frameworks. Yeah. Mm. Um, maybe it's a good time to pull out a, 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 um, kind of a, a graph showing the, the various mm -hmm. standards of evidence and uh, maybe we we can work them through like with a startup mentality and think of like um uh, what can a startup do what uh, uh how how can a startup uh hope to produce uh some level of evidence and yeah mm. yeah i mean i can tell you a little bit about what we do at wicked which is um university spin out the university of stavanger and we started working in the nordics and expanded globally now but basically what we do is to support companies with these different standards. So if I go to this slide, you can see um, the international standards of evidence mapped on essentially simple visual that is included in one of the reports we produce in uh, Wicked. And this is freely available. Anyone can read it and um, critically uh, let us know what they think about it. Uh, but essentially, here you have four um, standards um, that are out there. None of them is mandatory at the moment, so it doesn't, um, it's not prescriptive in any of these countries, uh, but it's uh, perceived as very important. And indeed, there are now developments at the US governmental level um, at um, looking at assign more detail and in terms of how compulsory it becomes for uh, the different districts. Something but, I I read from uh, uh from the um from the table here is um uh, like on the uh lower levels of evidence a logic model right um hmm. uh, and I'm wondering so let's 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 kind of work through this uh from the viewpoint of a startup um I think a logic model is an important instrument uh. For a startup, oh, yeah. not just in terms, as we were saying, of producing evidence. It's not really a way to produce an evidence. It just produces uh, uh, the idea that you're doing uh, uh, what you're doing with with a logic, basically. But 
Uh, oh, I would be very doesn't... surprised. Yeah, totally. I mean, I would be very surprised if a startup didn't have a logic model already, right? You need to know what are the different inputs and activities happening and then have some kind of vision or mission for your company in terms of what is the impact we want to see over time. But the difference here is that it's a logic model that is research-based, right? So you are modeling these um, activities and making assumptions based on some research studies rather than just your own hypotheses. Um, so that is why it's important that when startups want to have their logic models um, aligned with these different standards, then um, ideally they would have them independently verified by researchers, right? right. So. A lot of the work that we do at Wicked is essentially reviewing the logic models that different startups have and supporting them with additional research studies, discussing with them, okay, where is this um, specific assumption coming from, which feature within your product is aligned with this specific research study or this scientist that you are citing, you know, it's that kind of uh, work. So um, a, a lot of these um, I would say criteria um, within the standards are not going to be surprising or questionable. It's more like, how do you pull it together and how do we support the ETA community in aligning with those standards? Um, so you're, you're absolutely right. The, the logic model is the sort of beginning for, for all startups. Yeah. Hmm. And uh, uh, as you mentioned, um, working with startups now, um, what level kind of, um, what stage of development of a startup um, do you usually work with or uh, is it most likely to work with at the end of the day? Um, because I mean, a, a startup that um, is, is still in pre-seed, uh, their budget is so limited. Uh, they basically, they barely have a budget at all. They have uh, the founder's time, right? So uh, perhaps working with them uh, might might be challenging. Whereas I don't know, maybe uh, once uh, definitely once there is, C is Series A, finally they have considerable funding. Uh, but perhaps they are already past the logic model uh, stage, and and they might already be seeking uh, uh, further levels of evidence. So uh, what what uh, stage startups do you work with? How can you work with them? And um, yeah, and let's then uh, from there build up more on the levels of evidence from, you know, series A startups and, and more well-funded startups with, with a mm. bigger consumer base or, or um, uh, customer base. Yeah, yeah. So I would say that um, even with the big companies, uh, independently verifying their logic model is always a good exercise. So it's not something that, um, you know, you sort of lose uh, when you are building your customer base. Indeed, because many of the companies evolve over time or most of them evolve over time in the sense that you build new features and you add new um, possibilities, new activities to your technology. That means that you need to have some logic behind those as well. So that kind of ongoing work is happening at all levels of companies. So it's really not just for startups. Um, but um, you ask also about the cost. Um, you know, there are possibilities for um, receiving um, support for uh, the work with researchers. So. Our work at Wicked is uh, subsidized to some extent by the Jacobs Foundation, 
which supports um, the edtech ecosystem in being more evidence-based. Mm -hmm. So there are various possibilities for subsidies with um, a lot of these studies, especially with the ESSA-aligned research studies, um, not only by the Jacobs Foundation, but also other philanthropic funders out there. Um, different companies can apply for different research grants, even though they tend to be uh, more aligned with research goals of specific scholars or academics rather than the specific companies. So, um, you know, the funding situation is something that I'm very aware of and I'm trying to support in any way we can. Uh, Wikid is run as a social enterprise, but um, the levels of standards sort of mirror the pricing structure <laughs> in the sense that if you think about a logic model which takes a researcher a few hours, that's very different from running an RCT that costs a million dollars, right? So you really need to think about the size of the company in terms of the cost of the different studies. Hmm. Yeah. So let's let's work through these levels of of evidence. Uh, we've we've started with the uh, very well, as you didn't you you corrected me when I said early stages. It's not early necessarily early stages because uh, uh, well. Um, well known it's early well stage in the development. You, you're absolutely right. It's early stage in the development, but the development of the feature could be for the startup, but it could yeah. also be for a mature company, right? Sure, sure. Mm. Of course, of yeah. course. Yeah. So, so let's work through these tiers. What's what's the next steps after logic models and uh, uh, seeing whether the theory uh, behind the development of the solution is kind of evidence-based? What's, what's the next step? Yeah, well, um, in these standards they're looking at, let's take, say, um, ESSA and the Australian Standards of Evidence, it's looking at studies that look um, at the relationship or correlation between the outcome that you would like to see in the students or in the teachers in your users and a feature or the whole product that you have as a company. So to think about as an example, you can be correlating um, the motivation that students have as they are using your product. Mm -hmm. And that kind of study gives you some confidence, some correlational confidence that there is this relationship, something is happening. Mm -hmm. um, now, um, of course, this is not something that you can just sort of observe. It will be good to measure it with some data and have a statistically significant um, correlation. Ideally, we often say to researchers who work with the companies um, that it's important to have it peer-reviewed and uh, published as a research article. Even though there are um, companies who need this evidence very quickly uh, and we need to have that sort of rapid cycle of evaluation. And in that case, um, it would be more like a report or a study that is peer reviewed within the network of researchers rather than um, a journal article. And but essentially, this, that's sorry, correlational evidence. <laughs> sorry for interrupting you. Are you able, as Wicked, to uh, uh, like organize all of that, uh, including like the peer review and like fast-paced peer review amongst uh, the scientists that, uh, uh, that that are within your network? Right. So um, when it comes to the independent publishing, so publishing in an academic journal, Yes. No researchers can make that faster, right? Because that's a separate system of journal publishing, and that is where we need to comply with the deadlines that these different journals have. And it might be that uh, 
during the peer review, there are some issues or errors that need to be corrected, and then the whole publication takes much longer. So we cannot, um, you know, make that quicker. Okay. What we can yeah. do within the network is to ensure that a company that would like to have, say, a correlational or promising evidence for the ESA standards, we work with research partners who can run those studies for the company within schools. And at the end, they get a report that says, okay, this company um, has achieved a certain level of standards and they get the badge of the ESA aligned uh, standard. Um, and, and that is how they achieve their uh, specific level of um, evidence. So it, it is entirely possible. In fact, I think I've got the slide that shows this here. Um, so you can see um, that the different standards are mapped here on the types of research studies that can be conducted by different um, ethic companies and the ways in which uh, we at Wicked support the uh, companies. Yeah. So this is specifically about our research network, but there are also other um, research companies, research consultancy companies, research firms that support um, different EdTech um, founders. So just to sort of talk you through this. Yeah. If you think about the usability and pedagogy, right, the um, light blue um, arc here, those will be the feasibility, usability testing studies. So things that founders often do at the beginning of launching their product uh, when they speak with different teachers, different um, head teachers, and indeed the children, if this is aiming at children. Um, to make sure that the technology is actually aligned with what is happening in the classroom, that teachers like it, children like it. You know, those are your customer reviews and feasibility, usability testing. So that's like the big uh, arc. And I would say that most companies that operate within schools have that kind of evidence. Mm -hmm. um, but they might not have it certified or they might not have it independently verified. Mm -hmm. um, then you sort of move to the conceptual level of evidence, which is um, you saw that in the standards by ESSA and um, others, looking at the logic modeling, which looking at the theory of change, theory of action, that is where you are as a company, we call that evidence ready. So that is how we develop that sort of service around it so that it can be streamlined and offered to companies in a fairly quick, um, quick way so that we don't have those very long review processes, as would be traditionally the case in academia. Um, and then once you have um, been verified and checked for the conceptual basis of your product, so there is some rationale that your product works, then we can go to the observations and correlational studies. Mm. Um, so, you know, there is this sort of pathway or um, uh, sort of like a step-by-step -step approach, because if you skip these steps, then you sort of run a risk that um, say that you run a study and you notice during the study that might be quite expensive in the schools that actually there are many things that are not working here because no one tested the feasibility of this, right? So that is the reason why there are these different levels over time, because we need to make sure that you gradually build the evidence base. Mm -hmm. um, and that and is partly is, why, oh, sorry. This is, uh, this is focused on K to 12, right? 
Um, in Wicked, we work mostly with K-12 companies, um, but the framework you're looking at here, that is applicable to EdTech across. Of course, those that are, um, say, targeting employability with um, students at the universities, um, they would be looking at different type of, say, longitudinal studies, but they will be still um, um, sort of going through the different levels of usability, conceptual, qualitative, quantitative validation towards the end. Yeah. Um, one thing that is different when it comes to these different types of technologies like K-12 or um, uh, different products out there is that when you think about different screening um, mechanisms, so um, that is very popular in um, uh, in schools when it comes to assessment, you know, that you have these screening tools for literacy, screening tool for mathematics, where are children so that you can uh, put them on a level in assessment. Those kinds of screening tools would be difficult to test with an RCT, but testing them with, say, the predictive validity study would make sense. So, um, you adjust different methodologies to the different types of technologies that you are testing in schools, I, I did but wanna, you still keep the levels. I, I did want to ask you precisely a question about that, which is, um, uh, is there a risk and, or, or has there been a risk in the past? I, I, in fact, I'm pretty sure in the past there has, this has happened, but, um, perhaps in different contexts from the one we're talking about and and namely of um kind of running a a study uh, an impact evaluation um let's say measuring the wrong thing uh and what i mean with this here is um uh, there's an edtech tool um that perhaps is being used the wrong way uh and in or is being used in uh, not 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 the way that is going to make uh, a measurable impact. Let's imagine. I think this this commonly used example of using right uh, a tablet uh, uh, in a in a classroom. If you just put a a traditional textbook on a tablet, it's gonna make probably no difference, right? No significant difference. Mm -hmm. uh, but if instead you adjust a, a textbook and it becomes a courseware uh, and it becomes, you know, you introduce uh, multimedia, you leverage uh, Myers multimedia principles in, in, in the courseware, for example, right? Uh, and, and then uh, there, there's your theory backing. And then uh, uh, most probably if you go, go and measure the intervention, uh, uh, in, in that case of having a tablet, um, then, okay, tablets are not ed tech. They're just, just a technology that can empower ed tech, right? But this is kind of a, a very simple to understand example of uh, what I meant is measuring the wrong thing. Is there the risk of this happening perhaps in, in independent studies uh, or, yeah, what's your thought about this? Yeah, I mean, it's a very good observation um, because it is indeed the case that if um, ethic uh, founders decide to run a study without, say, talking with qualified or trained researchers, we often see that they are measuring the wrong thing, unfortunately. Um, so in Wicked, one of the things that we do is to 
also um, look at impact evaluations or uh, studies that different companies have conducted themselves. Mm. Um, and this is a work that is often commissioned by impact related funds. Uh, so, you know, the VCs who are really interested in impact. And in those cases, uh, we often see that either um, the wrong thing was measured or um, the key outcome was not measured in an optimal way, um, that the study could have been designed in uh, with a different methodology to really show impact. So that is why um, it's important to me to make sure that um, companies understand that research does need to go through these individual gradual steps so that you can build a good model that can be then tested um, with a rigorous methodology. Um, because, you know, if you just sort of design quickly a study and um, without thinking through the unique features that your specific technology has, then um, not only that wrong things might be measured, but also the good things uh, might be missed because yeah. the study was designed in a way that it's not really specific to the technology. Yeah. Um, and it's also um, perhaps good to mention in this context that when it comes to measuring things in terms of what is the impact, um, we often see that companies uh, jump on the idea of looking at standardized measures, um, you know, being the sort of key indicator that children are learning. Whereas if you do a good logic modeling and theory of change at the beginning, um, you can be thinking about the unique value your technology has that um, perhaps is not captured within the standardized assessments. Um, so what I mean by that is that, you know, if you think about the recent PISA results and all the other um, big assessment frameworks out there, they do not necessarily look at, say, um, creativity or um, joyful atmosphere in classrooms, things that we do know are conducive to good learning, but they are not captured in the big standardized assessments. So at techs that are targeting these different skills and different outcomes also need to be able to demonstrate their evidence and to think carefully about the outcomes that we measure over time. So there it's extremely important that they collect data points from early on as they are building um, the evidence. Hmm. Uh, I kind of have um, uh, a, a question that goes kind of beyond um, because the, the the purpose of organizations uh, like like yours, like Wicket and your services uh, are ve very clear, uh, whatever the circumstance, whether education is public or whether education is private, I think in both cases, it's very important uh, for EdTech solution providers uh, to to be able to yeah, find services like Wicket services on the market. Um, I'm wondering, uh, Generally speaking, uh, do you think that um, to some extent um, markets or, or educational markets would be able to self-regulate uh, and kind of find uh, evidence or, or through, of course, uh, providers uh, buying services or, or solution developers buying services like yours kind of self-regulate and produce 
the right evidence that then consumers or customers <laughs> uh, would be able to kind of, uh, um, uh, well, reliably pick out out of the various solutions that are out there on the market? Uh, mm -hmm. Or uh, is this is this wishful thinking? And uh, in either case, have you seen uh, this kind of form happening? I'm thinking, for example, of uh, uh, Education Alliance Finland um, kind of developing their 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 stamp of approval uh, that can then go on uh, uh, edtech market uh, app markets um, and perhaps kind of signal to uh, a customer base that is not within like a regulated market, no governmental interference kind of actually being able to do this, but at the same time, the risk of a provider kind of uh, uh, giving a stamp that is not sufficiently reliable. What, like, what, what are your opinions here on this? Yeah, that's a good and difficult question. Um, I guess the first thing I would say is that uh, Wicked is a network uh, that has grown from a network to a network of networks, actually. So, uh, very often when um, our consultants support different companies, they also are consultants in their own consultancy companies. So it's important to me to make sure that it's the right people working together. So these days I work a lot as a basically matchmaker, making sure that um, the freelancers, the different researchers, the different professors, subject matter experts, are matched with the right at the company so that they can work together on an evidence piece. Mm. And then, as I said, there will be uh, various funding models uh, for supporting that work. It might be directly between the consultant and the company. It might be through a subsidized service. Uh, but on this specific platform, you can see um, different um, consultants or freelancers who can offer mentorship services so they can be booked for a short um, discovery call or just talking with the different companies to find out whether there is a good match, whether they can work together on a um, learning or a research piece together. Um, and then you ask about these certifications. So in Wicked, as, as you saw on the previous slide, we have several partnerships with different um, companies or providers out there. Um, and that includes EdTech Impact um, that fused or um, acquired, sorry, um, Education Alliance Finland that uh, you mentioned as well. And EdTech Impact is a platform where companies can showcase their evidence by earning various badges, um, depending on uh, whether they have, for example, achieved a pedagogical certification uh, that will be with the Education Alliance Finland, or whether they have, for example, looked at their data and algorithmic fairness and specific aspects um, related to um, data security and safety which um, is um, supported uh, in EdTech Impact with um, EDDS. And uh, what Wiki does in um, EdTech Impact is to support companies with their researched impact. So uh, impact that has been researched um, in, in the past or over time. And um, that specific uh, work also feeds into a badge within the vertical that can be then displayed on the EdTech Impact platform. And um, basically provides more visibility to the companies that uh, when they have achieved the certification, they can be then more visible there. 
Um, the broader question that you asked was kind of more about what do I think about these different certifications, right? Like, is there um, uh, something that uh, companies might feel, oh, I'm just buying these different badges and what is the value of them? And I often say to companies uh, to think um, about the overall plan in evidence, right? So as you are building your evidence portfolio, so you're collecting different research studies, you are thinking about how to involve various researchers within your advisory board or perhaps within your own team, you might be recruiting new people. It's good to have a plan for it so that you are not just sort of uh, randomly getting different awards or seals of approval, but there is a, you know, there is a schedule, there is a calendar, and there is a plan for um, making sure that your solution aligns with a framework or some kind of standard. Um, there isn't a global certification uh, for EdTech um, in evidence at the moment. Um, very likely there will be something uh, next year. Um, and that is um, an important um, thought to have because it means that companies that are early, they can um, then evidence uh, fairly quickly once a certification comes into place, right? So um, regardless of the various awards and certifications out there, I think it's important that founders think about research and evidence as something to build into their products and that you pursue this uh, mission, if you like, uh, with various studies, good quality research studies. And the likelihood is then that you'll match with a specific certification. Um, but I'm not here to recommend one specific yeah. award or one specific certification. All I can say is that the network of researchers and learning scientists that I have the pleasure to lead, all of them will be trying to support um, the, at the companies to make sure that they get the best evidence out there. I think uh, a part of the question was also and and in uh, uh, kind of the target audience, right? Uh, and I think what you're saying the is like think about what your target um, customer is, and there's probably or or at least the ed tech field is starting to specialize and build like the right badge and the right certification or the right you know evidence uh, in in whatever form for. Uh, your your specific area um, is, is this kind of what you're saying? Um, partly, uh, because you are right. It will depend on your target customer, and certainly we see at the companies that are either transitioning to US or have been operating in US. Uh, rapidly seeking our researchers' advice um, and support with the ESA standards and aligning with those standards and the badges or the badging system within ESA. So there will be the sort of direct link to the target customer. So if you are targeting U.S. schools, then you do need to have the ESA standards of evidence. Um, but this will um, depend uh, not only on the um, specific country where you're operating or geographical location, but also on the broader um, landscape of EdTech. So if you think about what happened to um, EdTech when generative AI started to be very popular, that immediately shifted the perspective from standards relevant for data to look at also generative AI, right? So we will have these periodic developments and um, updates to yeah. the specific criteria we are looking at. So it would be 
short-sighted to be thinking, okay, now, I don't know, Estonia is looking for this specific standard. So yeah. all I have to do is to just to meet that standard. That is why I'm saying that having a plan for what is happening this year, what will be happening next year, and overall thinking about the evidence portfolio is something that you commit to as a company, um, that, that is important. Yeah, I, I would have so many questions, but uh, we're already running over time. And thanks a lot for, for staying with me uh, to discuss all of this today. I think uh, I do want to mention uh, a side, of course, uh, from uh, to, to listeners to, to take uh, more of a look uh, on your website at the offerings of of uh, wicked services and uh, uh, like uh, the experts network uh, um, uh, tutoring uh, services as well and uh, uh, all of the very important work you do in edtech also to uh, check out the 2023 uh, summary you published i think on the certifications topic and especially like the question of like um, how can how is the mechanism for teachers, for example, to uh, find out uh, what is the right EdTech solution? Uh, you, you've published a, another uh, um, uh, paper on, on this topic or, or uh, uh, research on this topic previously as well. Uh, but I think the, the 2023 summary also touches upon this pedagogical certifications and kind of distinctions on this. And I think the broader question of, is this going to be self-regulating is <laughs> probably goes a little mm -hmm. beyond the purposes of, of uh, the interview mm -hmm. today, but I think we've touched upon it and, and listeners can, can uh, keep researching the topic on, uh, uh, on your published papers for sure. Um, thank you. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate that. And, and I, I am sort of, trying to walk the talk because you know when it comes to ed tech and sort of the consultancy side then it's important that people who support the ed tech industry have done the research themselves and have also done some development um, within the ed tech side right and that is um, something that i emphasize and look for in the ed tech freelancers that uh, become affiliated with Wicked, that um, it's not some kind of abstract academic research, yeah. but they have also worked uh, within the industry, perhaps um, have spun out their own companies. Mm -hmm. So um, it's definitely not just me and many of the articles are co-authored articles. So I've been privileged to work with many wonderful researchers in this space. And we still work um, on many different studies this year and there'll be new publications coming out next year. So I do hope that we can keep this dialogue with your companies and different organizations. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I, I'm glad you mentioned this because from a former startupper point of view, this mm -hmm. of course has been a concern for many years, but I think it's it's finally really being addressed, like this mm -hmm. academia industry, how do they link and how do they properly link kind of question. So yeah, yeah, I'm very glad you mentioned it. And of course, very glad we spent this time together uh, today uh, chatting about evidence and thanks a lot for being with us. Pleasure, thank you.